When you have the right recon process in place, it's easy to stay ahead of the game. Put your recon on cruise control today with iRecon, the solution built directly in Viato that obliterates recon inefficiencies and accelerates your used car sales. Visit viato.com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, it looks like dealers won't get the tax relief they wanted in the new spending bill. Buick dealers face a $300,000 investment to sell EVs, and the COVID spike in China pummels automakers and suppliers. Plus, we'll continue our year-in-review series with a look at the year Stellantis had in 2022 and what's ahead next year, including some big EV rollouts. We have a full blitz coming out. The Charger Daytona, the Banshee. I've never seen a UFO, but if I did, I'm pretty sure it would sound like this, this vehicle. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. New car dealers will probably need to wait until at least next year for the tax relief they were hoping for from Congress. That's despite a bipartisan push to include tax relief for dealers using the so-called last-in, first-out accounting method. As dealers have struggled to maintain inventory during the global chip shortage, many found themselves reporting extra high profits, leading to extra high tax bills. The nearly $1.7 trillion spending package was one of the last legislative vehicles for that tax relief for dealers, but the measure was nowhere to be found in the proposal that lawmakers unveiled on Tuesday. Congress is preparing to pass the package before its deadline this weekend. Buick dealers will need to invest at least $300,000 to $400,000 to sell the brand's future electric vehicles. That's the average minimum required investment, according to Buick's own estimates. The brand says the money is for tooling, training, and other EV equipment. Buick plans to flip to an all-EV lineup by 2030 from an all-ICE one today. It has said it does not plan to introduce any new gasoline-powered vehicles after 2024. That's the year forecasters project Buick will offer its first two electric crossovers. Buick has offered to buy out any U.S. dealers who don't want to make the required investments to prepare to sell EVs. The brand declined to share how many dealers have elected to take the buyout offer to date. COVID infections are spreading throughout China, and cases are battering workforces in the country's manufacturing belts. Retail and financial services businesses have been hit hard by a shortage of staff, with automakers and other manufacturers not far behind. That's according to the Canada-China Business Council, an international business organization operating in China. Some estimates predict the new wave of cases could infect up to 60% of China's population of about 1.4 billion people. While some businesses are ordering workers with mild COVID cases to report to work, others are still trying to limit spread within their factories with crucial year-end production targets in sight. For example, Volkswagen is asking COVID-free workers to put in longer hours at one of its factories in southern China with a raft of employees out sick with the virus. And Hyundai Motor Group has elevated Genesis Global COO Mike Song to executive vice president and global head of the Genesis business division. As global head, Song will oversee the luxury brand's global presence, lead its transition to an all-electric lineup, and develop growth and market opportunities. He'll remain global COO, responsible for leading global operations and positioning the brand as a top player in the luxury automotive space. Song steps into a role held by Jay Chang, 
who will remain CEO and president of Hyundai Motor. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, now coming from personal observation, it seems like Buick is always late to the party. And I don't mean fashionably late. Does this conversion to EVs seem a bit rushed? You know, it's a, it is going to be a very rapid turnover. But, you know, GM's got to do something to jumpstart excitement around Buick. You know, it's got one of the oldest demographics in the market, and um, it hasn't really been making great gains, even as they've shifted their lineup from cars to crossovers. So, uh, you know, we've seen a really hot uh, EV concept from Buick, the Wildcat. See what that comes to market. That's already a car, so that doesn't really fit kind of where the market is. Uh, it's going to be a big challenge. It's going to be a take quite a leap of faith for these Buick dealers to put money into the transition to electric vehicles. I hope they figure it out. Well, coming up, we'll dig into the year that Stellantis had in 2022 and what's ahead for the automaker in the new year. That's next on Daily Drive. Slate Money is a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the world of business and finance. Hosted by Felix Salmon, Elizabeth Spires, and me, Emily Peck. Confused by crypto? Can't keep up with the metaverse? Wondering why the price of just about everything keeps rising? The Slate Money Podcast is here for you. Listen to Slate Money every Saturday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Warning, your reconditioning process needs attention. Unexpected shortages and delays can throw off even the most routine recon work slowing your sales and eating into your bottom line. Identify and fix reconditioning inefficiencies to turn your inventory faster with iRecon. This reconditioning solution, built directly in V-Auto, keeps you in control of your service department and puts your recon on cruise control. With real-time alerts and reports, iRecon helps you get ahead of potential issues before they become costly problems. You'll be able to track who's doing the work and how long tasks are taking. See the status of any vehicle in an instant and make adjustments where needed. And it's all done in an easy-to-use dashboard you can customize to fit your workflow. Obliterate inefficiencies and accelerate your used car sales only with iRecon. Run your personal recon diagnostics with us today and put your process on cruise control. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. We're taking a look back at all of the biggest stories and issues affecting the auto industry this past year. Today, we're talking about the year Stellantis had in 2022. It's been almost two years since PSA and Fiat Chrysler merged to create Stellantis. And so far, North America COO Mark Stewart says all of its brands are humming along, but it hasn't been without some bumps along the way. I talked with Automotive News Stellantis reporter Vince Bond Jr. about it. Here's our conversation. Vince Bond, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you here for this uh, year-in-review discussion on Stellantis Year 2. company formed through the merger of Fiat Chrysler Automobiles and uh, the PSA Group at the beginning of 2021. Here we are at the end of 2022. And boy, this year got off to a really interesting start. Uh, you had a, a big story about dust up between Stellantis and their suppliers. Remind our listeners what happened there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stellantis came out with a bang. <laughs> and so there was a big controversy among their suppliers about the new uh, terms and conditions that Stellantis had proposed for 2022. And uh, the major thing that really irked suppliers was that 
Slantis wanted the suppliers to pass on any savings they achieve every year, you know, directly back to Slantis. And Carlos Tavares, uh, the CEO of Slantis, told me that that the terms are fair and that they're doing this because they're taking on more expenses when they're building EVs. And so they need to spread the costs out. And that means suppliers are going to have to pass savings back to Slantis when they can. That was a tough thing for suppliers to, to swallow. And they, they did push back. Yeah, they did. I mean, you know, it's it's hard. And Carlos Tavares has been really more straightforward than almost any other global CEO about the high costs of making EVs, right? I mean, we can't necessarily raise the price of every vehicle by $10,000 just to make up for the fact that they're going to be battery powered. And, you know, they don't make $10,000 a car, so they can't can't just give away profits. Uh, So it is tough. But wow, the big, big pushback from suppliers, because right, traditionally suppliers have higher profit margins than the automakers because they can kind of pick and choose which programs they want to be on. But this year they were been facing, you know, really inconsistent production patterns, you know, not the steady flow that we usually see in the auto industry, really high prices for commodities and the parts that they buy. And then to have Stellantis say, well, when anything good happens for you, uh, <laughs> then, then give that to us. But any of the bad stuff, like your higher prices, you have to swallow that really uh, some hard pushback. And, and they did relent a little. Uh, yes, yes. So they did uh, revert back to their 2021 terms. And so hopefully everybody is happy. <laughs> but um, I did speak to a lawyer after they reverted back to 2021. And uh, he said there are still some things they need to look out for in the language as far as like intellectual property. So they should keep an eye on that to make sure everything is uh is straight with them. Well, and it's going to be a continuing conflict point as you know Tavares looks for savings and suppliers look to protect their bottom line. All right, so let's move on to one other, you know, pet project of mine. When we first talked with Carlos uh, Tavares right after the merger, I asked him, you know, are you are you going to have a captive finance arm for Stellantis in North America because it had really seemed like a, a disadvantage for them against Ford and GM and Toyota. And uh, and he said, "Yes, they would they would be working on that." Where does that stand now? Yeah, so they made that big announcement uh last year, I believe, and um they actually paid $285 million for a company called First Investors uh, Financial. So some of the dealers were telling me that uh, this will give them more flexibility on their, on their finance products. And it you know, could be a, a really good uh, profit uh, builder for the company. But uh, over the last year, there hasn't been much, much news on that front. But uh, it's, it's in the works. Still working on it. Well, I wonder if they missed a little bit of a window when interest rates were so low. But I mean, having a captive when interest rates are higher is really a time when it can make a difference, uh, offering some subvented loans and uh, being able to really capture all the all the data around that. So, oh, yeah, that would be a great time to really uh, get into it. I'm not sure if they planned it like that, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's better to be lucky. Well, speaking of lucky, Stellantis' rival GM seems to have a little bit of its mojo back. You know, last year they got beat by Toyota in overall sales and the Silverado pickup got beat by the Ram in sales and kind of a hit for GM. But but this year, uh, Silverado's back ahead of Ram. Uh, what do you think happened on, on the Ram side? Um, so I know that Ram had a really tough uh, first quarter. I know Mike Koval was telling me back in New York that uh, they had to really battle earlier this year, just getting through the chip shortage and manufacturing issues. But they've really been rebounding uh, the second half of the year. Um, So they should be, uh, hopefully they can carry that momentum into 
2023 as things start to calm down on the chip shortage front. The thing is, even though Ram sales have fallen, their average transaction prices are skyrocketing. I mean, mm-hmm. back in the last time I looked, like in the first quarter, it was like almost 60,000, you know, per model. That's, that's just, that is outrageous. And so, yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, the, the sales are lower, but they're still making good money on them. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting too, because Ram was a little late to the game in terms of having some of the the nicer offerings and the higher end trucks, which, you know, there's so much money to be made there and there's just so much demand there. And then they came out with this new model, you know, a, a few years back, a couple of years back, and it's a very nice interior, really nice, uh, big screen and very well received. Uh, so that's interesting. We'll see what they can do with a full supply of chips in 2023. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Ram CEO Mike Hovel, as I mentioned earlier, uh, he said demand is strong. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, a fact that just uh, having to, to build them. Yep. All right. So, of course, the two powerhouses of uh, Stellantis, uh, you know, was our Ram and Jeep. Uh, Jeep had kind of a kind of a mixed bag of a year. Um, you know, there was the the news about ending production in China, which was something the former CEO, you know, Mike Manley had worked for so many months to get a deal for to make jeeps in china and now carlos Tavares is like you know forget it it's just not worth it oh uh, yeah yeah i mean it's kind of goes along with the uh, Tavares's vision anyway of just trying to cut costs where he can you know they're making uh, huge investments in evs so if they're not seeing potential in a certain market they need to pull out and just uh, reevaluate yeah it's just a it's a big disappointment in the long run i mean when thinking back three CEOs to Sergio Marchione, I mean, he really counted on Jeep being a, a big moneymaker and a big market share winner in China where they love crossovers and SUVs and they just couldn't, I don't know, couldn't get the cost right, had maybe some of the wrong, wrong products at the wrong time. But, but enough of that, enough about China. Let's uh, come back to the U.S. where, again, one other sort of uh, downside for Jeep was the Belvedere, Illinois. It just, not prioritized for chips for that Jeep Cherokee plant, uh, that poor turducken of a Jeep that uh, has been much maligned over the years, had some really good sales years, but is uh, is really down in the dumps at the, at the moment. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, waiting to see what they do with the with the lower level Cherokee. I mean, are they going to redesign it or what? Because uh, they have a pretty good platform now with the Grand Cherokee. It seems like they could really do something with uh, with that lower model, too, and with the new interior, new new everything. Well, we'll see if it's uh yeah if the Cherokee gets new life or they replace it with uh with an EV. I want to acknowledge, of course, the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer have been really important for moving the Jeep up market. But before we run out of time, I want to make sure we get to talk about, you know, I mean, this was a company that was uh, late to market on EVs. Not <laughs> former CEO uh, Marchion was not a big advocate. Mr. Tavares is quite the realist on EVs, but they've started to really lean in. Tell me, tell me about some of the products that are coming. Oh, yeah. So they have a full blitz coming out in the U.S. Uh, they have the, the Jeep Recon, which is a uh, like off-road uh, EV that was inspired by the Wrangler. Uh, has a really good look to it. And uh, actually, when I see that vehicle, I think of uh, Land Rover. I think a Hummer It's like everything mm-hmm. is mixed into that vehicle. So so it looks great. Uh, we have the Wagoneer uh, S. That's the cold name right now. And uh, that's more of a sleeker, midsize utility option that's uh a lot smaller than the current Wagoneers that are on the market right now. It's all electric. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, Slantis is doing a contest right now to to help name it. So the code name is Wagoneer S. So hopefully we'll have a, a real name uh, pretty soon there. 
Hopefully something more clever than Wagoneer EV. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we have the <laughs> then we have the uh, the Ram EV coming up 2024. Uh, we should see, uh, I guess, a concept for that in uh, in January at CES. Yeah. And so that should be a really big uh, newsmaker, a big game changer for for that brand. Uh, see what else for 2024. Uh, th- those are pretty much well, the main ones, I think. And, but there's Dodge. that... Uh... That Dodge, Dodge, man. Daytona, what is it? Daytona SRT Yes, concept? yes, yes. The, the Charger Daytona, the Banshee. And so, there we go. So no more Hellcat. It's called the Banshee now in the EV uh, EV world. You know, the thing about that car, I haven't had the chance to hear it in person, right? But that's the the noisy EV, right? The super loud. Yes. Ha- have you heard it? Have you been, were you out there to, to Yeah, to I've, heard it, crazy I've heard sound? it in person. Um, I've never seen a UFO. But if I did, I'm pretty sure it would sound like this this vehicle. I mean, it's almost kind of a menacing sound to it. I mean, it might, it might yeah. scare you if you if you don't see it coming up. It might scare you. Yeah, well, it's just it's so unusual, right? Because part of what a lot of people like about EVs is that they're quiet as well as clean. You know, less uh, noise pollution as well as air pollution. And then here comes Dodge with this car that is just obnoxious impractical and totally on brand well yeah i mean that's pretty much <laughs> dodge you know being dodged they've always done that and so they said the ev era is coming but we're not going to change who we are you know so uh, just get ready and get your your headphones ready if, <laughs> if it's too loud for you no point in dodge trying to be like everybody else exactly all right vince any other thoughts anything we should be looking for uh heading into 2023 uh just uh keep keep an eye out for all the news on uh, the the battery plants that slantis is uh is doing and uh, I know they have one being built in Canada, one in Indiana. And Mark Stewart said a couple weeks ago that they're in talks for another EV plant for North America. And uh, he's, he's expecting to get to be in the U.S. So that could be another uh, big jobs builder for, for the country. Wow. Well, three battery plants. That sounds like uh, this company is planning to get really serious about uh, making electric vehicles. Yes, that's the future. All right. Vince Bond, thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. Thank you. Vince Bond Jr. covers Stellantis for Automotive News. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Audrey LaForest, Lindsey Van Hulley, and Carly Schaffner for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on Stellantis, retail, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a look back on the year Toyota and Volkswagen had in 2022. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.